GM, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Expanded Spaces podcast. Today, we're talking to Big Bad Wolf. He's a team member over at Rebels by Night, and he's doing a lot of interesting things in the crypto NFT Web3 space, including his Big Bad NFT show, Sundays on Twitter Spaces. Let's get into my conversation with Big Bad Wolf. Awesome spaces the other day. It was really awesome to attend that and uh, hear from Vinny. And it's a guy I've never heard from before. And I kind of started digging into him and he's, you know, he's doing a lot of really interesting stuff and has done a lot of really interesting stuff. So, uh, that was a, that was an awesome guest to, to get, man. So thanks for, for making that happen. Yeah, no, that, thanks. I uh, appreciate the kind words. That's kind of what I've been striving for in my spaces is like, you, you see a lot of the, the community spaces that you see you know, on a daily basis are current events, uh, is on what's the hot topic of the day. And a lot of the times, people that are contributing to that noise are extremely active people in the social circles, in social media, um, within the community and stuff like that. And so you don't always get that diverse uh, or truly technological or, in, in, in my opinion, like, you know, for a VC or tech geek kind of expert opinions. And so my whole intent of starting these spaces was to get those voices us, you know, those OGs who don't always interact or, or connect with people or, or people who are founders, builders, who are silently building in the in the back end for, for to get their voices heard uh, and then have them tell their story on what they're building and how they're taking or adding to the space. So that was the intent, and I'm glad that's what's happening. Awesome, yeah. I mean, sometimes the loudest voices uh, don't necessarily have the mo- the most to say, really, right? So, um, no, they have a lot to say. They just don't have anything intelligent. Yeah, not as much value. Yeah, and that, that's kind of why. It's, so, I'm just gonna I'll intro us here. I've been recording. You know, obviously, we're kind of getting started here. But uh, so this is our first episode of of Expanded Spaces. I have Big Bad Wolf with me here. Uh, he's agreed to to be our inaugural guest. And I really appreciate it, sir. Um, and that's kind of the whole idea behind this podcast. So for anyone listening to this, once we release it is, you know, spaces are a great tool. It's awesome that Twitter's built it in. You can click one button and get that conversation going. Um, and there's a lot of great things that happen on spaces, but I found personally as, you know, a little bit older fellow with a family and a full-time job, it's really hard to get on there in the middle of the day. And it's hard to get on there sometimes and get maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes of real information. And then just kind of guest speakers coming up and saying, I love the project. We're going to the moon, you know, all this kind of fluff and stuff like that. That doesn't really, you know, we see it on the timeline, we see it in discord and it doesn't necessarily really add much to the conversation. So talking to folks like you who are running some really meaningful spaces and uh, hopefully connecting more people with what you're doing is kind of the goal here and, and making it digestible you know, at people's convenience. So when, when folks, I know you, you have a family as well. Um, you know, you could sit down and you have an hour, half an hour, however long these episodes ends up being, and you can, you know, kind of can, uh, consume it on your own time. Right. So whereas, uh, uh, having a space in the middle of the day on a Tuesday is not really something everyone can get to. Right. So I'm hoping to kind of, kind of bridge a gap there a little bit. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, and I just want to hear a little bit about your journey, maybe from the start, like, how did you find your ways to NFTs? Like how, how did that start for you? Yeah, first off, thanks for having me to be the inaugural uh, speaker. Truly an honor. Appreciate everything you're doing and will do in this space. Really looking forward to how this shapes up. Um, and then to get to your question, so I, I've been a tech geek all my life, 
my day job, I work as a technology architect for a uh, large agro business. Um, it's uh, I've been like from from my engineering days back in India. I've been tinkering with hardware, tinkering with software and stuff. So uh, I've always been uh, trying new technologies, learning new technologies, and I think I've always been aware, or I had always been aware of of uh, blockchain or Bitcoin from 2010, 11. Uh, but my at that time were purely from understanding what the tech was, what it's capable of, not from a speculative trading point of view. Um, the speculative or the trading or even buying of Bitcoin happened or started for me around 2016, um, just before the 2017 bull run and then uh, the 2018 crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that was a an eye-opener um, in terms of, because I've never been like a financial investor. I've never done any trading or for me, that was like, you know, to see those, um, uh, I would say, ups, highs and lows. And it was an emotional roller coaster. And so 2018, I kind of just felt that this is, this is all, the speculative side of it is BS. And I started focusing back to what my aim was from a technology point of view. What can blockchain do? And so I started looking at solutions that are more, um, and so for my my day job, like I said, I've been a technology architect for enterprise applications uh, so my my outlook has always been B2B and enterprise. And so I tried to apply the same logic and say, okay, what's possible in the realm of um, B2B and enterprise when it comes to blockchain? So I started having conversations with the large uh, software uh, companies like SAP, Oracle, and what they were doing. Um, and then I found out that there was that there were for like, like track and trace was a use case for pharmaceuticals or for food or agriculture. Track and trace is a huge thing. So there were very specific use cases that made sense uh, for businesses. But at the same time, having gone through the 2017 ICO bubble and dental coin, and like, you know, you would have tokens for anything and everything. So that was another learning curve is that, hey, just because a new technology exists, people will try a technology to an existing solution or to a new solution, which may not necessarily be the right fit. And so uh, the outlook of trying to figure out, does this need a blockchain? Does this need a token? Does this need a, a distributed ledger? And stuff like that, these kind of uh, uh, things I started uh, analyzing fundamentally uh, on the crypto side. And so if I would have been a little, I kind of curse myself because if I, if I would have been the other spectrum where you try out everything, right? You buy everything and you hold everything or you gamble with everything, I would have probably been a JPEG owner or Basie owner or punk owner or anything like that. But because of that kind of attitude and mentality, I stayed away from NFTs uh, all of 2020 and 2021 uh, because I wasn't really convinced uh, that that was that there was any real use case for that technology. Yeah, fine. So you have a non-fungible token. What does that mean? And and where's the application? The DeFi market was kind of booming, right? And so we really didn't see NFTs coming together or having any kind of real tangible um, uh, enterprise value, so to speak. Uh, but then my opinion started changing a little bit again as I started researching a little bit more. The technology matured a little bit more. People started talking about it in terms of um, identity management or in, more like an image management or uh, when you start talking about non-transferable NFTs or composable, con- con- configurable, customizable NFTs. Again, as the tech evolved, my interest in it grew. 
And that's when I think the first NFT I ever bought was back in, I think, August of 2021. Um, August or September of 2021, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it was August 2021. And it was an AI NFT. It was with brain drops. Uh, it was a Claire Silver AI, um, absolute banger of, of artwork. Uh, held on to it for more than six, seven months. But then finally, it was just, I mean, it made sense to sell at the time. But um, I wish I hadn't. Uh, I had a Gene Kogan, I had a Claire Silver. So I was mostly into AI. And then I started, to, then once you get into the space, it was, you know, one after the other. Um, that's how I got into it. Basically. Okay, cool. Yeah, obviously, yeah, the deeper you go, the more people you meet, the more you kind of get pulled in certain directions for sure. And uh, yeah, I agree. You know, this is a, obviously still a very new tech, really, even though crypto has been around for a while, blockchain has been around for a while, but it was really in its infancy, uh, you know, early on. And a lot of people didn't understand it. And, and the actual, you know, institutional interest around it uh, wasn't wasn't there early on. And uh, I think, you know, we're coming into an interesting place now where NFTs, obviously, we're thinking of them as PFPs and as these tradable assets and sort of the speculative side of things. But there's really a, a great tech back there uh, when you look at something like inventory management or something like that, right? Really being able to control those systems at a deeper level and and, and be able to account for accuracy that you can't with, with some of the existing technologies, right? So that's that's definitely there. And I think there's a lot of underlying work on the on the tech side happening that, you know, our speculative NFT market doesn't really see so much of. Um, but a lot of the technologies, you know, that get built and the new um, breakthroughs can sometimes, you know, happen in this other side of the market, right? People are getting creative and in a result, they start making some of these different mechanisms that actually on the, on the technical side could maybe have some sort of applicable real world use later on. Right. So, um, it, definitely seeing that. And, and then, you know, I know that you, like you said, you, you've worked in this space. This is something that you do for a living. It's obviously a passion of yours. You, you've been a tech guy your whole life. Um, so what kind of drew you now, you know, we, we talked about the AI kind of how you got into NFTs, what sort of, how'd you find your way, uh, to the rebels by night project? Cause obviously for those that don't know, big bad wolf is, uh, not only one of the kind of whales of the project, but just really one of the believers of the project early on. And then now actually on the team, congrats on that one, by the way. Um, and just someone who's been a really great voice, um, for the project, a great representation of, I think what we want rebels to be. Um, so I'm just curious, how, how did you end up finding rebels? What, what, what led you there? Well, um, I mean, I, I think at that point in time, I was probably following anything and everything, trying to get into it. Uh, back in January 2022, where it was, you know, people were getting to a Discord early, um, get the uh, the whitelist as soon as possible, and then move on to the next project, right? So I was kind of caught in that um, between Jan and Feb. And the I was uh, I was a moderator for a project, a few projects before Rebels came up. Um, and so, so one of the ways of, in my opinion, um, if you want to advance in any te new technology, emerging technology, is is that you got to get your hands dirty, right? In the sense that you have to either start building on your own. Because uh, no one's going to show you the ropes. Nobody has that level of knowledge or time and when it comes to emerging technologies. When there's established technologies, you have all these training and training material and educational material, and you have mentors, and you have established kind of um, um, paths to, to achieve a certain level of success in that new technology. People don't have the time, so the best way to do it is to get your hands dirty. But then how do you start? 
uh, for someone who has no idea on, on NFTs or have, I'm, never, I'm not a coder, uh, more on the infra side of things. And so I, I wasn't necessarily a solid dev or I, I wasn't exposed to any kind of blockchain programming. So for me to get involved in, in emerging technology, the best way I thought was to start making connections, which was through Discord, through these new projects and stuff like that. And so I, I started moderating some of these projects just to get to know the founders, understand what the thought process was, what the space was, how it was evolving, what were some of the criteria of, uh, of launching a project for that matter, right? Like, why are you doing this essentially? Um, and then once I started doing that, I tried to do the same with Rebels. And once I had a conversation with Nas and Sas, I was like, okay, these guys, are on a completely different level. Because I had talked to founders from Dape, uh, Hape. I had talked to founders from, uh, for uh, uh, a bunch of like, you know, small uh, to mid-sized projects, Antonin, all the popular ones I had even talked to. Um, uh, yeah, so anyways, uh, devs or, or designers, artists. Once I started talking to Nas and Zas, I was like, okay, this is a completely next level connection. That that's going to be probably uh, the the road to go down if I ever want to make any kind of um, um, you know head into the space and this this technology. So I doubled down and I kind of stopped doing everything else and anything else I was doing, and started focusing on rebels uh, full time. Um, and the more conversations I had with these with, with Nas and Sas, the more I realized that my the entire approach of what this industry was doing outside of Rebels is, is flawed and was, was creating or adding to the bubble uh, and not necessarily truly solving problems. Um, and so that's what, again, like I said, my, I have a very fundamentally sound idea of analyzing new technology, being a tech arc and constantly evaluating new products for the organization that I work for. Uh, I, I realized that, you know, I aligned with that thought process a lot more. So let's say I found my, my tribe, so to speak. Um, and then, I, then I, as I said, I started putting in a lot more time into Rebels than anything else. And they, I think, reciprocated and said, okay, you guys, you're probably the right person to, uh, to get involved in beyond just moderating and get a little bit more involved into true community management, you know, social media or some form of product management and stuff like that. And so they... they um, so yeah, so so I, I'm social media management and then product management as well, and then I'm, now I'm a little bit more involved into the product side of things, uh, which which basically was what my my original goal was, right? To when when I started in this space, to really um, be a social media kind of an influencer or or that, but be more into true content and. Uh, break into the product side of things, which is uh, thanks to Nas and SAS, it's given me the opportunity through Rebels. Great. Yeah, and I think for a lot of us, you know, there's a kind of a core group of us that talk regularly that are in the Rebels project. And I think we're seeing everyone start to find their niche now and, and that creation side of thing and go beyond just, you know, our influence on social media and more kind of building some some things that hopefully people can use in the space. That's kind of what led me to to making this podcast. So um, it's just a, you know, a great way to connect with people. And then I think start to go down those avenues that, you know, maybe you've wanted to explore. Um, so that's awesome. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, we talked a little bit in the DMS a couple weeks ago about this. I wasn't fully sold on it at the time. I think you were, um, I'm not sure how you feel now or not. So the, the whole ordinals, 
you know, uh, Bitcoin NFT inscription side of things. Um, you know, it's a hot topic, obviously. Um, and I, but you kind of broke it down in some technical ways that really got me more interested in it and made me look into it a little bit more. So just maybe if you want to sum up your feelings around that, maybe if they've changed, I don't know. Um, but just sort of what's your thoughts on that? Is it a, is it a fad? Is it actually something that's going to move the space forward? Is it the next big thing? I'm curious to see uh, maybe even a couple of weeks later if it's the same opinion or if you've have some some new thoughts. So, so the best part about any new technology or revolutionary solution is that it looks like a fad or it looks like a passing phase in the beginning, right? And almost everything looks like that from the outside. Um, when it comes to ordinals, I, f- I feel like it had, this space has its own challenges. Uh, there's not enough infrastructure like what you find today in, say, Ethereum NFTs. I wouldn't even call them NFTs. Um, it's it's a if it's it's more akin to the that you find in, let's say, on-chain monkey or what MevArm is doing, than the NFTs that we find in, like, you know, generative art or uh, motion art or anything like that. So it's not necessarily a non-fungible token per se. It's more like uh, I heard this on a Spaces the other day. Um, the, the, the analogy that was used was if you had a penny, and if you went to, let's say, Disneyland, and Disneyland stamped that penny as a as a souvenir and almost like a um, a POAP sort of thing. But then the penny has not lost its value. It's still worth a penny. You can still use it. It's just that it's now stamped with with an additional piece of information that is more personal to you. And that, in my opinion, the way that's explained, it makes a little bit more sense. Now, everyone's going crazy with inscribing uh, absolute nonsense stuff on there. And that, that's that's going to happen because people are, that's this, that's this space, right? You'll always find people trying to, um, push their own, uh, I would say, ideas and try and fit it to a technology, like I said, in what happened in 2017, right? The solution was there, but it doesn't necessarily need a decentralized uh, database, right? It's It could be done in a centralized way. This is how 2017 kind of the ICO bubble happened, where everyone started doing ICOs for everything. And um, that's what you're seeing in Ordinals too. Um, you're, you'll see that everyone's trying to inscribe just just because ordinals are hot and try and sell that. Um, but I feel like there's there's more to it. So for example, Chain Spaces is a project I'm really bullish on. Like that's what they're doing is is amazing. It's inscribing not just any data, but your feed from your camera uh, through a portal, which basically um, converts that image in a certain color scheme, pixelated color scheme, and then inscribes that into into the uh, uh, into a Satoshi, into a sat, right? So projects like that will, in my opinion, will do better because they're unique and they're really, it's almost like, you know, you're forever imprinting a memory or imprinting a special event or it's an NFT solution. I don't think it's a profile page solution. I don't think the use cases that we have for Ethereum do not logically apply for ordinals. Ordinals will come with their own set of um, use cases, which in my opinion are, are going to be far more unique and completely diverse than, than NFTs. Uh, but but it, lacks, it has its own challenges. It lacks the infrastructure today. Like there's no easy way to inscribe. There's no easy way to, I mean, there are easy ways to inscribe, but there's no easy way to transfer. Um, there's no easy way to, there's, there's no marketplace. Um, I mean, there are marketplaces, but there's no truly trustless marketplace. 
So the tech is evolving, the infrastructure around is evolving. Right now it's extremely experimental. Um, and I'm interested in where this experiment goes. I'm bullish on the experimenting part. I'm not bullish on any of the specific use cases that have come out outside of chain spaces. Maybe. For sure. Yeah, I think, you know, we all saw that happening. You know, my angle a couple of weeks ago talking to you about it before I learned a little bit more was I was very confused. I was seeing discords where people were using like Excel files to trade and it was just very felt like we were like in the early Internet. Right. Which could be a, a good thing. Right. I, I'm a guy who was around before the Internet. I understand, you know, when people were laughing uh, and even big names of, you know, that tech space like the Bill Gates of the of the day, I think, had said something about the Internet being a fad. Right. So, you know, there always is going to be those people who are going to blow it off. But, you know, uh, the good, the cream will rise to the, the top always. Right. So I think that what's important, we're going to just experiment and maybe 99 things will fail. But that one thing might be something super valuable in the future. Right. So that's that's cool. And I'm excited. I'm just sort of watching on the sidelines. I haven't jumped in on any of that stuff yet, but I am uh, I am keeping an eye on it because I think it could be it could be huge. Right. So, uh, and I'm definitely going to keep probably revisiting that as these episodes go on and hopefully get some, some folks that are maybe even a little bit more into that side of things. Um, and now the other hot topic of the day. Um, and I really think we're at an interesting crossroads in this market, in the speculative NFT kind of trader flip and sell, uh, market of we have these you know what I call the marketplace wars going on it sort of feels like for anyone who grew up in the 90s and was a wrestling fan it's like the Monday night wrestling wars again like these two you know companies going at it there's the new challenger that's sort of arisen with with blur and I mean honestly they came on the scene and basically paid everybody um, too which was an interesting approach with that airdrop um, so just curious to think you know we're seeing some projects doing things like individual marketplaces uh, and I think I saw you know, Volterra talking about maybe that not being so good uh, as far as, you know, uh, when we're talking about trying to onboard more people and make the space user friendly, I, I get that. So I'm curious your thoughts on, on kind of what what's going on. I know there's a there's a bunch of kind of pieces of this, but maybe just, you know, your top top thoughts on, on this whole crazy thing that's happening. It's crazy. And I, I think it's more akin to a marketplace driving innovation, not innovation, but the direction rather than the the creator economy or the creators, which in my opinion is 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 the cart leading the horse, so to speak. Um, the, the, I've always been of the uh, the the belief that the NFT space is the the retail NFT space is uh, more a uh, I would say art focused community and because ultimately it, it we may speculatively draw you know buy stuff and leaving the speculation of the trading and the all of that stuff aside what draws you towards a specific nft either to hold or even even when you hold for a while hoping it will go up but then when it doesn't you sell it but you feel bad when you're selling like the guy bad when they sell their rebels nfts but you buy it because you you connect with the art you connect with it right there's something that that you prefer and you like about it. And so that's the emotional, I would say that's 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 what should be driving the the space. And in my opinion, that's the creators, right? That's the different creators that we have. And and for that to happen, you need to incentivize them. You can't you can't just uh, leave them and say, hey, now you need to create something of you know free of cost every time. There's no, there's no passive income for you. You need to invest money to get money. And nine to 10 times, you're probably going to fail. But hey, that's, that's how it is. Um, 
what's happening now is we're trending more towards they're feeding into the speculative nature of the business where it's more wash trading and and volume based and uh, flipping and all of that stuff which which is not the right mindset or the right incentive it's, it's you're incentivizing the wrong behavior let's speak that's 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 basically what i mean to say by this whole brand um, so in my opinion, if you ask me how, how I would do it is, is yeah, it, I would bring back royalties uh, and, and leave it up to the project to decide whether they want to force, you know, they need royalties or not. Because some creators who put hours, uh, months into creating uh, a collection or, or, or they, they deserve the royalties for it. Now, that's a personal opinion. That doesn't mean anything when it comes to the actual space, right? Like if they, it, it, it's, as Vinny said it, in, in the spaces yesterday, and I asked him this exact same question: Is that the the this the the community is ultimately going to decide where this goes? This is an experiment by Blur, and and ultimately time is going to tell us whether this experiment works or not. I hope it doesn't. I hope that we find that out sooner. That that it, this is this kind of incentivizing wrong behavior doesn't work, and it's not best for the the economy or uh, I mean not the economy but the the space. But you never know if that's what people want. That's what people want, and that's the space you're dealing with. So, yeah, I, I think we see this in a lot of spaces. Um, you know, I work in in uh, you know uh, sales on the tech side, and and you know we see these disruptors enter the space and they throw a lot of money at it, hoping that you know what we can kind of generate. Uh, generate some excitement around our brand. We can kind of bring some people in. You know, we, it's some great promotion, obviously, um, but it doesn't always work, right? You hit a point where you know what's the return on that investment, and it's, it it starts going negative at a certain point, and then that company will disappear very quickly. So, you know, Blur. You know, I know they are VC funded, but I mean, the VC is only going to pump so much capital into that experiment uh, if they don't start to see a return eventually, right? So, and I, I think it's a, it is kind of a wild experiment to be doing it at this point in time in the market as well, where there's not really any indicators that we're gonna going to see a lot of positive movement for quite a while. I hate to tell anyone who's listening that doesn't <laughs> realize that, but, um, you know, I mean, I'm talking at least in my personal opinion, you know, not financial advice on all the other acronyms. We're talking 18 to 24 months before maybe we see, you know, some things start to turn on a macro level, right? We're seeing you know, a lot of things happening on the economy. I believe you're in the U S I'm in Canada here, you know, so where we're feeling a lot of the same, a lot of the same things affecting, you know, that bigger picture. Uh, so I think it's an interesting play. I, I don't see it working out for them, but Hey, like I said, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm a spectator and I love, everyone loves a little bit of drama and it's, you know, it's entertaining at the very least and seeing some, some big players do some interesting things with some of this, this airdrop farming. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, just to give my two cents, uh, as far as individual products, uh, projects having their own marketplaces, it's kind of a good thing, maybe when you think about, you know, the average quote unquote normie entering the space, they can go to, you know, boardape.com and they can buy directly from there. It's just like buying a product, but they can also go to board with two D's ape.com and get all of their money stolen, right? So that that's the that's the real problem there. Whereas at least if you go to like something like an open sea, it's one website, it's very well known, it's gonna show up in Google and you know it's it's sort of a more trusted uh, place to go and, and purchase everything, right? So it's the Amazon, I think, of, of NFTs, right, in some ways. So it's interesting, and I, I don't know how that's going to work out. I see all these marketplaces popping up for individual products and I, projects, and I just don't, I don't see how that's going to pan out. But 
Um, outside of that, you know, we've talked really heavy about the space here. Um, maybe just some feelings around, you know, some of us that are on, you know, that, that older persuasion, persuasion of the, the spectrum here of the, of the market. Um, you know, we have families, we have full-time careers, a lot going on. Like, how do you find balancing being, you know, heavily involved in this web three space and then still being, you know, a family man with a, with a, a career and everything like that. So what do you, what are some tips maybe you'd give to folks on how to bring a little bit of that balance? Cause you seem like a guy who's really got together and, you know, you are involved, but yeah, it's seems like you, you know, you really, uh, you know how to compartmentalize that. Do you have any tips for folks that might be trying to balance those two spheres? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also a matter of what phase you are in and everyone's life is different and everyone has different challenges. And in my case, I, I have a, an extremely supportive life. Um, and I have two boys, uh, who are, you know, 11 and, and eight. And they're past that, you know, toddler kind of, they're fairly independent at this point in time. So it's, it's a little bit easier than, let's say, managing newborns or toddlers. Um, so I get a lot of free time. I work from home in my day job. I still have my day job. I work from home. So that gives me a little bit of extra, you know, freedom. Uh, so all that kind of adds up. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's not, uh, it, it's it's fluid, it's dynamic, it's it's flexible. And the important part for me is to um, is to take each day as it comes, but have a certain uh, framework around uh, where you want to spend your time and prioritize it. So if I want to spend time in in on, on the on working on the or do some marketing for it or uh, work on some some materials on that or, or discuss you know topics and stuff like that then that's that becomes my priority for for the next few days so I may end up ignoring some of the other responsibilities I have towards uh, either rebels or or anything else that I have going on so it's it's being the giving yourself the flexibility to to compromise on certain things but then also have the um, the focus to prioritize where needed. I think that's that's the best way to put it. How I do it. Um, again, a lot of support from my family, and they're they're fairly independent at this point in time. And working from home does give me the, the bandwidth to to actually do all of these things. So I'm really thankful for that. That's awesome. So you know, the same advice for any anybody in life, right? Find the right people to connect with and and start that family with. That supportive wife definitely helps a lot. You know, I know my wife just told me today. She's like, I think this is really cool. You're doing this podcast, and I'm really proud of you. And I think this is great. And I was like, wow, like that really means a lot to me. You know, not everyone's gonna have their partner say that to them. They might say, you and your silly cartoon pictures. What are you doing, right? So it's uh, you know, it's great. I think it's super important communication right like i mean it's if you're just going to do stuff without explaining why you're doing it and if you're not open to like they, like like i said like everyone's in a different stage of life if you're just giving birth and, and the baby comes first like Absolutely. i would not like in my surgery right when i i needed to take a couple of weeks off i i still have dms i have not responded to uh for for a cross community rebels uh, spaces uh, that that uh i need to work on which i haven't uh, because I, I'm saying, okay, my recovery on my shoulder surgery is important or paramount, and so I cannot give that much time. So, so it's prioritizing, uh, but at the same time, not losing focus and, and making sure. For sure, and I think we're seeing we're seeing a lot of those larger accounts that have been really successful, especially in this bear market 
are less about trading and more about an approach to life and approach to Twitter and approach to community. Right. And I think that we're seeing a, a lot of really healthy behaviors start to start to rise to the top. Right. And it's really great to see that. And sometimes, you know, people are thinking about the bear market as, Hey, this is a great time to buy things you believe in at a great discount. If you really think that, you know, there's a future in either the technology or in the price appreciation. Um, but there's also a great time to build on yourself and, you know, your community and your, your following and, and the people that, you know, these connections you make. And I think that people need to focus on that as well. And I love that we're seeing more and more conversations come up around that. And maybe if there's younger folks listening to this, you know, maybe the reason that your girlfriend's giving you trouble about NFTs is because you haven't really explained why you're doing what you're doing. And that makes sense, right? If it's something that's taken up a bunch of time in your life and you're, you haven't really given, you know, a good reason why I think, uh, you know, um, anyone's significant other would probably be a little confused as why that time's not being spent with them. So cool. That was, that was some really great, some great points there. I just want to touch on that. Cause I think that is something I've talked to a few people about and that's kind of what sprung the idea of this podcast. Um, I have an eight month old. She's napping right now and she's been quiet. So thank you so much uh, for letting me do this. And my wife was really awesome to make sure that I had this time to talk to you. Um, and so just kind of one, this is a big question, but so like, obviously this is your own opinion. You know, we're just two people talking on the internet here. We don't really know for sure anything, but future of NFTs, where do you think we're going? Where do you think, you know, are we still looking at the OpenSea homepage two years from now? Are we still seeing traders, um, or are we looking to move somewhere to the you know the ordinal side of things, or somewhere in between? What do you think we'll be doing in say you know 2025, 2026? Where do you see this going? Just your thoughts. Uh, yeah. So, um, not financial advice. Blah blah blah. All yeah. that that applies, right? But. Um, I, th I think it's more than what I think will happen because nobody really knows what will happen. Um, I, I can tell you what I hope happens, right? Instead of saying this is what is going to happen, I, I'm, I'm going to say this is what I hope happens. And what I hope happens is that is, is that we see a uh, an an evolution of clearly defined use cases, not features use cases for non-fungible non tokens. And so uh, one of the use cases that I, that is the most obvious one that we've seen is um, the profile picture. But the, there's, a, there's a problem with that right now is that uh, the way they, they, they approach profile pictures as just images and uh, either of themselves or something they like, right? And, and it's not a software product in itself. And I think that's where Rebels, I, and I align with Rebels, is that Rebels is changing that mindset and saying it's not just a picture. The PFP itself is a software product. It can do stuff for you. It can, it, it'll, it'll have abilities that it, that it unlocks um, and, and stuff like that. So anyway, so that's that's one thing I feel uh, is a use case that I want to or would like to see evolve as part of the next couple of years is where people start realizing that your PFP is not just an image, it's a product, it's a tool, it's a uh, it's a, it's 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 part of your digital identity, like your wallet. Like you use your wallet today, and it's not just a bunch of numbers, uh, or or to store your coin, but you do stuff with it. You unlock certain capabilities with it. And the same way can be can be done with with, with your PFP. So that's one thing I want to see. But other than that, I want to see clear like gaming. It's a mess right now, like P2E and all of that stuff, and then 
Uh, we've seen so many games launched, but none of them have really took on. Uh, it's it's just not up to the mark. It's, it, yeah, so I tweeted about it saying I'm not going to buy a game just because it has a sick skin. I'm going to buy a game because it's fun, right? And so Web3 Gaming needs to start focusing on the game mechanics and the game itself. That happened yet. I think a lot of the focus is on P2E, or at least was on P2E for a while. And so you're basically, again, the same shit, right? You're, you're sorry, uh, let me say that word, but it's the same stuff again is where you're, you're feeding into the speculative nature of the beast. Uh, I want to see us start investing into some realistic use cases that are more around improving what we do today than just add a speculative nature to what we do today. And so that that's my biggest, I would say, win if we ever have one out of these, this bear market is where the investments and time and money from, from people who are building stuff comes in terms of defining those clear winner use cases that will then feed the next generation of onboarding and and um, um, NFTs, uh, the boom or the bull market. Absolutely. I think there's some real low-hanging fruit um, that I'm surprised. I mean, maybe these companies are working on it. We just don't know. But, you know, I was talking with my wife today and we were talking about, she's like, hey, is there any kind of conferences for NFTs? Do, they, do people get together? Uh, you know, as an outsider, she's asking. And I said, yeah, you know, they have NFT Paris just happened and there's a New York one. And, you know, I know there's like, there's some other events. Like I know there's an Ethereum Denver. There's not necessarily just NFTs, but there's Art Basel. There's all these different things. Um, and I was just telling her, it's really cool. You can actually buy, you mint your, your pass to the event and you actually have it as an NFT. And they were minting the VIP ones the other day for New York and people were flipping them and stuff. So it does still work as a, you know, a speculative thing as well. But, you know, and, and she instantly was like, why isn't Ticketmaster doing something like that? Right. So I think there's a lot of companies like that, that even the average person who's not in this space can see that and, and ask that question. Right. So I think because it's so obvious, they must be working on it. And I'm sure that is going to be what we're going to see, you know, a lot of that, that kind of, um, institutional and, um, corporate investments start to be around, right. Is, is some of these, some of these things that seem obvious to a lot of us in the space. And, and I think that will, people will be using when people are using NFTs and don't even know they're NFTs. I think that's when we know we've really hit that, that, you know, that adoption. So. Uh, absolutely. And to be honest, like I'm not even touching on the enterprise and B2B use cases, like the, the, some of the, the, some of the products where we interview people on, on my show programs, uh, gamification for, for enterprises and uh, stuff like that. Like there's, there's real use cases for non-fungible tokens. There's supply chain use cases, there's finance use cases, HR use cases for these things uh, that are being explored by, by companies. So that's a separate stream of, I think, innovation and, and adoption that's, that's obviously going to, you know, at least expose uh, the large number of people to, to, to cryptos when uh, companies started looking at, you know, privatized blockchains through Hedera Ashgraph and stuff like that. So you're you're going to see that adoption uh, as well. That's that's another stream where I'm hopeful we'll see. And then in fact, Big Bad NFT Show is designed or catered towards those builders. So that that's one of the areas that we most definitely want to explore through our conversations is what are companies, how are companies looking at this? How are organizations looking at this technology and saying what can they use it for? Say like are there metaverse applications out there that that corporations would be interested in building and developing and using NFTs for, or are these more on their core processes like supply chain finance and stuff like that, where they can have a uh, you know something that is shared across different corporations, 
uh, but doesn't like you know doesn't change in, in in its nature and and uniquely identifies certain KPIs for them and stuff like that. So, anyways, that's that's one area that definitely I'm I'm interested in. Cool. One last follow up because I just thought about it while we were talking about it and talking about adoption and things like that. Um, do you think that in you know two years down the road, are we using Ethereum mainnet for this trading, or are we going to move to Polygon? Are we going to you know are we going to see things like Solana and some of these other um, you know cost efficient on the gas side options, and especially all these L twos? And I know Coinbase just announced they're they're doing their base L two, uh, which I think has I think they're partnered with Optimism for that one. Um, do you do you still see us you know working on the mainnet, or do you think that we're going to see a, a lot more of those? L2s start to rise? Because I, I know a lot of the corporations that have done drops have been on the Polygon side, right? We're seeing a lot of adoption um, on the corporate side to Polygon. Yeah, and, and I think it really depends again on where the investments are being made, right? So if you look at the mass number of you still find them on Ethereum. We still haven't seen anything else that matches or even comes close to the level of, well, let's say, just man hours put into innovation on Ethereum in terms of, you know, the L2s or there's there's uh, Matic uh, and Polygon uh, are are obviously uh, you know the front runners for for the the L2 ways, at least when it comes to NFTs. Uh, but uh, I don't see that changing. I'm not naive enough to think that everything can be solved on, on Ethereum. I think that the use cases will drive and define um, how L2s play into it, right? So there will obviously be. Uh, for example, even like you know, gaming. We talked about where if you have a game that's highly transactional, you're not going to put it on on Ethereum because the the cost of just transacting on Ethereum will you know, make that game almost unplayable. Mm-hmm. Um, but an L2, where the transaction or the high volume of transactions, where the NFT is is enriched through the gaming experience, um, happens on an L2. But the ultimate, you know, when you, when it comes to trading. And and the, the kind of the housing of the NFT happens on your mainnet. That's that's a kind of so hybrid model is what I think is more more for reality than everything transitioning over to solution B uh, from solution A. Yeah, and I've seen especially on the Polygon side, and I mentioned Solana, they tend to be networks that we hear about there being outages and things like that, right? Like it's almost like they have to go over there and unplug and re- replug in the main, you know, internet modem for the whole network, it feels like, right? Like, have you turned it off and back on again, right? And it seems like an insane problem to have for a huge network. And, you know, as us folks that are, well, we're still early in this market, really. You know, um, I to me, it's already seems like I, I don't really want to jump on something like that that doesn't feel stable. Um, and I can't imagine that, you know, the average person who's not already in this market would, would want to jump on in into you know some instability there, so I think that they have some issues there that we don't we don't see on the mainnet side. Um, but yeah, that was a great way of breaking it down. I think use case is definitely going to be uh, a big part of it. And what are you trying to accomplish? And in the gaming side, I could definitely see it, right? So, um, but I don't want to take up any more of your time. I really appreciate you making the time uh, for this conversation and uh, making this happen. And uh, what I want to do is just give you uh, give you a moment here before we sign off. If you just want to plug a little bit of the show, I know you talked a little bit as we were going, but just the name of it. You know, when do you guys? I think it's usually on Sundays, but you can correct me on that. Um, just just let people know what you're doing. No, absolutely, thank you. And so the the show is called Big Bad NFT Show um, after obviously my name, Big Bad Wolf. Um, it, our focus is primarily on the non-meta use cases for uh, NFTs. So we've seen a lot of spaces cover fashion, cover gaming, 
um, and, and cover those standard use cases that are uh, prominent in the NFT marketplace. Uh, but my, my, my show primarily focuses on B2B, enterprise, mass adoption, onboarding, uh, infrastructure, tech uh, topics that don't get often talked about. And so uh, it's uh, the show airs um, typically every other Sunday, but sometimes we may do every, you know, we follow up back-to-back Sundays depending on, on uh, how many speakers. But I try to do it, you know, by, by, uh, by weekly or twice a month. Um, it's typically aired between noon to 2 p.m. Central around that time um, to, to cover all three time zones uh, within the U.S. and uh, possibly in Europe and uh, Asia Pacific. And so that's uh, that's the show. And I host it. Uh, I'm the host. My co-host is Sobi uh, or Sobibi uh, from the Rebels team. Um, and we have some more people that are part of the Rebels community that have, uh, you know, come forward and said they want to help out with either the marketing or, or uh, artwork and stuff like that. So it started off as a just a side project for me, obviously, but it's uh, it's something I enjoy doing, and uh, I love these conversations because they enrich my information, like you know, my own knowledge and information stuff. That my outlook towards the space completely changes after every conversation that I've had. Every conversation I've had. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the big bad show. Yeah, for sure. We're going to make sure we put all the links available. Obviously, when we post this on Twitter, um, we're going to be up on YouTube. We're going to be on all the, the podcast uh, formats. So anywhere we can put the link, we'll make sure people can find it. Um, really enjoyed, like I said, that last one I jumped on with uh, Vinny Lingham. And, uh, you know, he blessed us all with uh, a whitelist opportunity that we didn't know was coming. And there was only uh, maybe, what, like 30 to 40 people on there. So, like... You know, this great conversation, learn a lot. I learned about someone new who was doing a bunch of stuff I didn't even know about, new to me, that is. He's obviously an OG. Um, and then, you know, sometimes there's some surprises in there. So, you know, I think going and supporting, you know, a, a smaller creators uh, in the space is going to be something that uh, is very valuable, not just for your knowledge, but you never know. You might get an awesome surprise like that. And that we didn't know that was coming. And I'm, you know... I talk to you regularly, and, and I don't know if you knew that. Maybe it was a surprise that you knew about, but right, but I, it's not something I wanted to advertise because I want people to come for the content, not for the the goodies. The goodies is just uh, you know exactly. something extra. And next week we have Poap founders of Poap. Lucas is going to be on the show, so uh, watch out for an announcement uh, for that. Awesome! I look forward to it. Definitely going to jump on every chance I can get. Sometimes I got an eight month old baby, life gets complicated, but I believe you said you are making recordings available and that's going to be formalized in the future as well to listen to the back catalog a little bit. So, uh, that's great. And I think hopefully we get a few more people on from, from this and some folks, uh, you know, learn a little bit more about the man behind uh, the PFP and, uh, thanks again so much. I really appreciate it. I know that, you know, we took about an hour here to talk and, and, uh, I got a lot of this conversation, got to know you a little bit better, got to know your motivations and your thoughts. And I think that's, that's the point here is like, let's just learn more about people in the space that are doing interesting things. And hopefully we can, you know, connect more people together. Thank you so much for joining us on our first episode. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Big Bad Wolf. I know I did. And if you like what you're listening to, please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And we have a lot of really great guests already booked for future episodes. And we can only imagine who we'll have on in the future. With that said, GN, and we'll see you next time.